0: podcast.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese here as always with Nima Tavalli. So Napoli's Scudetto cruise continues. They're now 18 points clear at the top. Today we're going to discuss how you can possibly beat this Napoli team. Only one team has done it in Serie A this season. That was Nima's Inter. So maybe Nima has a few, uh, a few suggestions for, for other sides. Um, Victor Rossiman scored for the eighth game in a row at the weekend. Will he beat Gabriel Batistuta's record of 11 games in a row that he scored for Fiorentina in 1994-95, which has since been um, has been equaled by Fabio Cagliarello and Cristiano Ronaldo? Inter suffer a shock loss to Bologna. Why are Inter so inconsistent this season straight after big results? Milan's resurgence continues as they beat Atalanta. We also take a look back at a, a perfect round for Serie A in the Europa League and Conference League and the draw for the next round of those competitions, which, which took place on Friday. Plus uh, a severed pig's head being sent to Sampdori's owner. So we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Lots to talk about today. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode which we do every Monday reviewing the weekend's reaction and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including our weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just two ninety nine a month plus VAT. Um, before we start today, Nima just wanted to say something, didn't you? Yes, um
0: this is episode 301. Um those of you who are paying attention know that Thursday was episode 299. So where's episode 300? Well, we did an interview with Joe Tacopina, the spa president. We were going to publish it on Friday, but there just wasn't time to edit it and all that stuff. So, uh, we're pushing out our big episode 300th episode on Wednesday, and it'll be out on all platforms, Spotify, iOS, Google Podcasts, etc., because it's a free interview for everyone to listen to. Be sure to listen to that, because he does say some really interesting stuff that's bound to make headlines. <laughs> right, let's get uh, right into the football.
1: Okay, right. Let's start. We've been starting with Napoli recently. Let's mix it up a little bit this week, and uh, let's, let's start with Milan. Big Milan against Atalanta match on Sunday evening and another Milan win. They've now won 4 in a row with four clean sheets in a row. The resurgence continues after they went through that that terrible run of form which was their worst run of form for for 5 years with Stefano Pioli on the brink of the sack. Most people are thinking that it was all done for him. He was there was no way he or Milan could possibly recover. Everything was broken. And here he is, here in Milan. They've they've really, really turned it around. After they changed their formation and went to a back three into a, uh, I would say it's a 3-4-2-1 formation, uh, but it's a back three for certain. And um, they are now, they're now picking up. They, they really are picking up. Um, they won uh, on, on Sunday evening 2-0 against Atalanta in this big top four game. And really, um, they cruised through the game and Atalanta just did not, did not lay a glove on them, did not create a single chance in the entire game uh, at Atalanta. So it was a really, 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 really good evening for Milan. Lots and lots of positives, which um, I'll just go through the positives that I've picked out first. Um, Teo Hernandez, first of all, um, the goal won't be credited for him because it came off the post and then went in off Musso and into the back of the net. But it, he deserves, he certainly deserves it because it was an absolute wonder strike Um volley from from way out uh, off the post and one year after his his goal of the season last season against Atalanta which which tonight we're recording this on Monday afternoon is that it will be up for the contender for the Pushkas award at the FIFA best awards ceremony in Paris for for goal of the season in the world last last uh, last year um and he he's shown he showed in this game that he is back to his very brilliant best he was a little bit slow after the World Cup um, but since the Tottenham game was fantastic against Tottenham, um, he was he was brilliant in this game. He was he's he was everywhere. He's I've noticed with Teo, he's been roaming a lot centrally recently, coming inside from his left wing back position and, and almost playing almost playing as an attacking central midfielder at times. Really roaming there. It's very very interesting tactically what what uh, Pioli and Teo are, are doing there. Um, so that was a big positive. He's he's been undoubtedly Milan's standout in the last games. Um, Mike Mannion, the return of Mike Mignon, uh absolutely huge. Can't can't be understated. Just just how huge that is to have him back, and and he really had nothing to do. It was a it was like a training session for him for for, for So an easy one for him to get back into the groove. Um, Milan's defense, uh, as I said before, didn't concede a single chance uh, all game from an Atalanta team who are renowned for scoring and creating loads. Of the third highest scorers in the league and. And Atalanta didn't, like I said, didn't get a didn't lay a glove on them, rock solid. Um the back three, this back three now really looks like a really, really tough team to break through now. Um with Kalulu, Tomori, and Malik Tiao. I mean, brilliant again versus Rasmus Hoyland, who who himself, Hoyland, has been one of the explodes explosive breakout stars of 2023. Uh, and he, he didn't get a kick against TL, who who's just been so wonderful since breaking into the team. And it's, it's such a pleasant surprise for Milan because we've been and everyone's been so critical of their signings last summer. And to be honest, not much was expected of TL. He was, he was very low. I mean, Milan wanted to sign a centre-back last summer, but he was very low on the list of targets that, um, that Milan were going for. Originally, it was Sven Botman, who then eventually joined Newcastle because Milan dragged it out for so long. Um, Tiao was probably third, fourth, maybe even fifth choice um, target and they only got him right at the end really as a kind of a last resort and not much was expected of him. I mean, people I've spoken to, Bundesliga experts, have said that, you know, he was very error-prone at Bundesliga. More than one person has said that he made Harry Maguire-like mistakes uh, in the Bundesliga, that he had the raw tools but he was very error-prone. But we've seen none of those mistakes at Milan so far and we've seen someone who just looks like a physical beast really I mean so good in the air um, so aggressive and competitive Uh, he seems pretty quick I mean you know he he looks I mean he's been fantastic and those three in defence just just yeah they just didn't let anything through I thought Liao was a little bit better not at his best but he got a wonderful assess assist for Messias with the with the with the first time pass with and a lovely finish as well so Yeah, all in all, very positive. And also Zlatan is back as well. So what more can you ask for?
0: Look, I want to talk about that defence because yesterday against Atalanta, I saw one of the best Milan defensive displays I have seen in the last 10, 15 years against a side that we know can hurt any team in attack, given how they play. Um, I said a couple of weeks ago on this pod that you know, it's it's looking interesting. Tiao, Tomori, Kalulu in a back three. Uh, when I think will be really will will really come to their peak when Manion returns because they can play higher up. They can press higher up as a team. And yesterday we saw the beginnings of that. Uh, we saw what that what it can do was the first game they played together, all four of them, and the way that they completely neutered Atalanta, and that's the word I want to use. They castrated Atalanta. They 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 didn't get anywhere. The 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 defense with that the defensive display we saw yesterday was truly special. I as I told uh, some of our patrons who are Milan fans, Swedish Milan fans, I don't want to get too excited, but this this could be the uh, we we saw the beginning of something that could potentially be historic at Milan. I think that defense could be. They've had some fantastic classic defences in their history. If this, if that was the first game, if that's the level they're going to play at in their first game and they improve on that, we may have seen the birth of a classic Milan defence. Uh, and, I, and I count Mignon into that defence because he's, he has such a key role in that defence. Because with his passing, with his speed, with his command of the area... Allowing the back three to push up higher, allowing all of min- Milan to press up higher, it also allows the wing backs, especially uh, Junior Messias to cut in centrally, and that makes Milan so much more unpredictable. I am incredibly impressed with what Stefano Pioli has done. I have to. I, I am officially now the hat. The hat is off. Complimenti, Mister because I did not see. This man has more lives at Milan than a bloody cat, than a Cheshire cat. It's insane. And what he's done, now he's laying the groundwork for something that I think is going to be, can can potentially be truly historic and special. They were fantastic defensively yesterday. It was genuinely joy to watch how they, I mean, the battle between Chow and Holland was was just that in and of itself was incredibly interesting to watch. and Chao won that. Holland wasn't bad. don't get me wrong. I thought Atalanta were hollow and poor generally defensively and Milan should have won that game by maybe four five nil. but that particular battle uh, was very interesting to see. It was very interesting to see Cha Kalulu and how he handled that that other side and Tomori in the middle, now with krunic uh, and, and Tonali in a double pivot leao and, and the, the, the two ale the two wingers uh, the two the, the four wingers whether it's Theo or leao interchanging or or the other side interchanging on when to cut in and when to give depth that was that was truly remarkable football that was truly interesting football and it was and i'm saying watch out tottenham watch out tottenham
1: well, the te- that will be the test. The Tottenham game will be the will be the big test. But I mean, I think that the, the positive thing is that at, at the start, I mean, they didn't have a clue with their movements. Understandably, you know, they'd never played this yeah. formation ever before, and and we looked at it and we thought, yeah, this doesn't look good. It looks disjointed. No. And even when the, the defence was look, it started to look more solid, like in that Tottenham game when they won one 0 Still, from a from an offensive point of view, it, yeah. it didn't look good. I mean, they, I know they created two other big chances, yeah. but they came from like set pieces or crosses, didn't they? It wasn't through like really creating play that much. So they, they didn't look in open play that it didn't look very fluid. It didn't look, you know, it, it, it didn't look very fluid. I was just
0: talking about the defensive aspect. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. yeah.
1: But what I'm coming to is that it actually even now from an offensive point of view, you can see the improvement in this yeah. game, especially in the second half, Milan were, were creating a lot of chances in the second second half and they were actually put together some good passing moves Obviously the goal was an example of that with a wonderful pass and a fantastic little dink finish from from messias. So you know you can see that you can see the improvement uh, the players you know they're getting players back as well like Manuel, and we hope that Benacer can get back before the Tottenham game as well. So you know there's lots to be positive um, about with Milan but the, the Tottenham game will be the, the test though that will be I wonder, the test, test you know I how' he want to get Tottenham away?
0: I just want to pick up on that because now that the team has responded like this, it puts Milan in a really good position in terms of the future. What do they decide to do? I'm I'm on the fence now. I was f- firmly on one side, meaning the Sarri 4-3-3 would be the next natural development and playing with a three-man midfield. I'm on the fence now because…
1: Yeah. Well, it's too early to say still. Well, it's too early to Tottenham, say, yes. The Tottenham game will be the, yeah, will be but the I, biggest. But I,
0: don't, I don't think that's going to be decisive. I think it will be a good ind- indication. But based on these four games and based on how solid they look, and now it's, it's starting to work in attack as well. Look, if this is how they're going to play, um, I, I'm on the fence whether or not, you know, because Antonio Conte can coach this team, even if they don't spend big. He's got all the elements there. He'll look at that defense and that goalkeeper. He'll look at the, Teo Hernandez. He'll look at that midfield. He'll look at his Giroud, who he loves, and he'll say, "I can work with that." And but the thing is, I think I think Pioli's going to stay now. For me, they're in Milan are now favourites to finish second. Given you know, we're going to talk about Inter later, but it's it's incredibly interesting. And oh, I'm glad you mentioned Benasser as well because Benacer, how does that impact? The balance of uh, the defensive balance because Kronic does so much good work defensively that goes unnoticed by most fans because you know that's just the nature of the role that he co- that he occupies. How will that impact the balance? That's my that's a question for me.
1: Uh, nice. his, his attacking
0: I, I, his yeah. attacking abilities, I have no questions over whatsoever because we know his creativity is fantastic. He's brilliant, but it's going to be interesting to see how it impacts. The def- the their defense. Oh, can the it, for and, me.
1: And, it can it can only it can only improve the team as a whole. I mean, they they. they I'm, need-
0: I'm as again again. I'm not questioning Benasser in attack. I'm I'm just saying. I'm waiting to see how the balance defensively looks when benasser is back in a double pivot with Tonali. How, what, what what change do we see there? Like how does it impact? I, I think, I, I I think
1: only. It. I think only a positive. I think mm. it can only be positive um, uh, for sure because they will start winning the midfield again. They haven't mm-hmm. really been winning the midfield um, recently, with the exception of no. maybe of, of this game, um, mm-hmm. and that has put pressure on the defense. And they, but they've done so well to come through it. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be
0: interesting. Um, I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying that there's a question that I want to see. I want. I want to see that question answered before, which I think is a valid one. But just just quickly on Slatan, I mean. What words do we have to say? I mean, it's just the, to come back at 41, and I didn't think he would well, he would he would do it this time. I'm going to be honest; I've said it on this part. I think it after those two knee injuries and that injury that he had, you know, playing with without it without ligaments in his knee for mm. six months to help win to help Milan win the scudetto, then comes back it's just what else what else i mean what else is he, what is what else is left there to do uh, what else is is there left to say it's truly remarkable
1: yeah the oldest milan player ever in a serie a match at 41 and uh, yeah all we need all we need well all there is to do is for him to become the oldest scorer in serie a history and that's all that mm. there is yeah. um, to do um so and win the yeah.
0: champions league with milan why not
1: well, I mean, the, well like- that's the thing. I mean, he's not been included in the Champions League squad for, for Milan, yeah. so which I don't, really, I don't really understand why. Because, I mean, if he was ready to come back, why not include him? Uh, I yeah. don't know. I don't know why they've done that. But anyway, um, moving on to Atalanta, though, because for as great as Milan were, um, Atalanta, I mean, they're now they've now lost three of their last four games in Serie A. They've lost four of their last five in all competitions. And it's so weird because, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we were singing their praises about that with that 2-0 win in Rome against Lazio away, which was, for me, was one of the best performances by any team in Serie A this season. It was an absolute masterclass. It was a clinic. They, they had an XG in that game of like something like 3.8 or something. They absolutely just played them off the park, destroyed them in every single department on the pitch. And, you know, you think, you look at watch Atalanta in that game, when they were right bang in the top the top four race after that game, Um and you think they were level one points, weren't they, in the top for the top four? And you're thinking, right, this Atlanta team that they, they can they're really picking up now, and you know they're going to push on now. And then they lose to Lecce. then they they get completely completely outplayed in this game. I mean, there was only they they were, they, they looked they just they never looked like doing anything in this match. And Gasparini, in his post match quotes, he, he appeared to be just like completely defeated, like completely given up on the top four. And there'll be actually now be six points behind the top four if Roma win as they should do against Clemonese on, on Tuesday um, so I don't know Atalanta was just a weird one to, to, to analyse this season um, and yeah it was uh, have they blown their top top four chances now is it over for them top four I think so
0: I I don't count them as, as such because I think I think their inconsistency this season is is is, uh, is something we've seen all season. Yes, when they're good, they're fantastic, but but then they lack that consistency. Um, and I think blown it. Well, mathematically, they sure haven't. But I don't. I just don't. I don't think they'll make it. I think they. You know, I had them before the season just but just below the top six, um, and and I included Juve in that, but obviously Juve with the points deduction. So I think they'll finish and you know they'll definitely finish there. Um, but I don't think they'll go past any of the teams currently ahead of them in the, in in the Serie A table. I really don't think so. Think think so. But I do want to I do want to give some credit to uh to Heulund, Rasmus Højlund. He is
1: it's He was terrible <laughs> he was terrible in this game though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think he was terrible. I don't think he was terrible at all. I think he was just up against uh, Malik Chow who showed how to stop him. And this is the next challenge for him moving forward. Um, it's that he ha- now, this is how defenders are going to defend against him. In order to be that next superstar, you have to be able to, to, to handle that. I thought there were glimpses in this game where he did handle that. And for me, the, the most interesting battle of this game was Chow against Heiland. It was very interesting to watch. I really enjoyed that. Um, but no, it's, um, uh, they do have some, you know. It, it's gonna, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how they move on from this. Uh, Gasperini was obviously unhappy, but I still think. Um, he, I still think that they will, they'll throw the, the, the It's all but done, but they're going to be they're going to throw a spanner in the works for for the teams above them when they play against them, especially Inter. Need to watch out because Atalanta and Gasperini, especially Gasperini, has a giant chip on his shoulder for being sacked at Inter. He still talks about it. It's almost been a decade, mm-hmm. and he still whinges about it. Uh, and he did so not so long ago. Oh, when I tried to play with a back three at Inter, they sacked me. It's like he just can't let that go. Uh, it's it's always going to be that. Uh, it's going to be like me with Sandro Tonali and Arturo Vidal. I'm never going to let that go. Um, so um, so it's it's it's. Um, I, I think the the other teams need to watch out. But yeah, I I, I count them out. I do count Atalanta. Out.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um also, I think Gasparini feels like they can't they can't get into it. Um, he also says something very interesting in the post match. He basically said that when Atalanta play against fast teams or fast defenses like Milan, who had, as I said before, you know, those three at the back uh, are all, you know, physically so good. Then they have no other way of beating them, um, which I found very interesting, but also very strange quotes for Gasparini to say. It was almost like he was saying, well, the only way that we can beat teams is by showing more intensity and more pace and more, you know, uh, movement. And, you know, playing against that Milan defence, well, Tomori, Kalulu, TR, they're all so good physically, they're all quick, you know, that, you know, we had no chance. We've got no other qualities, he basically was saying. I, I found that, I don't know, I found it strange. I found, like, I found like a strange thing to say. I guess Bruni just, he does feel like this season, he, he feels like, yeah, he just feels defeated, um, which I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's not, I'm not sure if I like it, but yeah, I do, I do worry for Atalanta. I still think they're in there. It's still a long way to go. It's still 14 games to go. It's a lot, long way to go. So they're not out of it, but I think they could be out of it soon because, you know, they've got Napoli away next week. Um, you know, they lose that and Roma win there and Roma and Milan into, so, you know, do their jobs. Then it could be nine points off and then, yeah, then they are probably out of it. So yeah. Um, we'll be tough. We'll be tough for Atalanta. I just, um, Inter, um,
0: just on Atalanta, before we go to Inter, um, I wonder, and I've said this for a while, while now, I mean, is it time to part ways, uh, now with him at the end of the season? because he's been there for such a long time and maybe he's kind of reached the end of the road there.
1: Possibly. Possibly, but again, I guess it depends. Do they feel like they can bring someone in, do any better than Gasparini can do? Uh, you know, with Atalanta, traditionally, they're not a club that ever should be a top four team, really. So that's the tricky thing. I think the most important thing with Atalanta is they keep the project going. They're, 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 they're The way that they work as a club, uh, and that, and if that's the case, then it almost doesn't matter if it's Gasparini or someone else. Um, so maybe, maybe yeah, maybe it is time for him to go. He's he's, he's getting older now. He's in his mid sixties almost. Um, but let's talk about Inter, um, who beat Porto last week, midweek, um, which was a which was a which was I don't want to say it was a great result, but it's it's a very good result. It's a prestigious result, and it puts them in a good position um it puts them in a position to potentially qualify for the quarterfinals of, of the of the championship which will be which will be a very very good achievement but not for the first time this in this season into go from a from a prestigious win to a bad result immediately just a few days later against a let's say a small team and you know they beat Milan twice in 2023 and in the very next game, they lost to Empoli and then they drew with Sampdoria, respectively. They, Of course, they beat Napoli, the only team in Serie A this season to to, to beat Napoli uh, at the start of January. And in the very next game, they drew with Monza and they actually played very bad uh, in in that game. So again, I know I've asked this question, but I have to ask it again. I, I still don't feel like I've, I've got... Uh, not not from you, or from but from anyone. I still don't feel like I've actually got a good answer to this question of why Inter go from winning, getting a prestigious result to three or four days later, getting a bad result against a small team. I still don't feel like I've got a satisfactory answer to that question. Maybe there isn't one.
0: Well, I think there is. I think it's a combination of everything, um, all, all of the above. Uh, Simon Inzaghi is a young coach, and as a young coach, he's going to, learn and make mistakes and one of those mistakes is that he struggles to get uh, to keep these players in a in the right mental state I would say um in for three games in a row after a big win to keep them on their toes I don't like to use the word motivated cuz I think that's the wrong word I think concentrated uh focused the focus they show in big games is not the focus they show in small games, and the reverse was true in the beginning of the season. The focus they show the the focus they showed in smaller games was not the one they showed in big games. Although I think the the big game issue uh, in the earlier part of the season was more tactical and a balance issue. This is clearly not that. It's uh, it's an it's a it's an approach issue, as he said himself. Um. Of course, he has to take and accept and shoulder a huge part of that responsibility. But I think there's more nuance to that than this. I think there's also got to do with the fact that the Inter squad is not as good as I, as an Interista, would hope that it would have been this season. Romelu Lukaku is clearly not the player he once was, and he was brought in to be a starter and a key player unfortunately Marcelo Brozovic has been injured for most of it and is kind of chasing and working himself back into form the backups uh Francesco acerbi has been out has been really good but again Francesco acerbi 2023 the best defender at, center, uh, uh, at Inter. Stefan de Fry is completely finished it's 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 unbelievable how finished he is mentally as well as 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 on the pitch and it's it's like it's not I don't know who this guy is I don't understand if you, if you were to watch St- Stefan De Frey for the last 18 months and tell me that only a year before that or two years before that he was named the best defender in the Serie A you'd think you you couldn't you wouldn't believe it. Um you have a Danilo Dambrosio that is obviously finished. You have an Edin Dzeko who is way past his best even though he's been good for Inter. Henrik Mkhitaryan has been good for Inter but he's not in a moment in his career where he can def- play week in week out and deliver three three games a week for Inter regardless of who who um who is opposite or who who they's playing against he can do it against Porto but then he runs out of gas against Monza or Empoli and that is the problem it's 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 a it's a little bit like a perfect storm um and in order to get the maximum out of all the players, uh, all the time to keep them on the toes, you need a coach who's 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 ready now. Now, then, then you look at it and say, okay, well, what do you do? Look at the results. Has Imzagi failed uh, or or underperformed in the Serie a this season? Yes, he has. I'd say between eight to ten points, which is three, 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 four losses. Too many, I think, for sure. But you're still, even with those points, eight to ten points behind Napoli. So, essentially, you're criticising him for not being clear in second place, which is a fair criticism, because, of course, with eight to ten points more, you put pressure on the team you're chasing. But at the end of it, to me, that's academic, because Napoli are going to win this, and they're obviously the best team in the Serie A. In the Champions League, he's done exactly, he's done more than what Inter expected of him, because Inter budgeted for the Europa League, And they've reached the round of last 16 and they can actually, you know, they've got a good chance to reach the quarterfinal. Supercoppa, he's won both. Coppa Italia, reigning champion, still in the semi semifinal now. So you can't say that it's been a failure. You can't say it's been an abject failure. You can say it's disappointing in the Serie A because last season Inter should have won that Serie A. I think they failed in four games uh, with seven extra points, which would have seen them equal Conte's record-breaking side with a far less superior team. So yes, he has failed in the Serie A, absolutely. But then you have to measure that against, well, he's also a young coach, and everybody always complains. You love you, and everyone else loves De Zerbi for being a young coach, and we complain about never giving young coaches the chance. Well, here is a young coach that is being given a chance, and he's winning trophies, and everybody wants his head on a stick. So... Y'all have to make your minds up. Um, I personally think that this situation cannot go on for Inter's sake and for uh, Inzaghi's sake. Um, They need to back him because he's not been backed. And you can't tell me that he's been backed when the first summer he arrived, they finished the summer on a net profit of 140 million euros. Last year, they ended it with a requirement was to end it on plus 60 million. And so that's something I wanted to address as well. Uh, we talk about, well, you know, we've got a question on that in the Q&A pod as well. And, 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 and I want to raise it now for those of us who are not, for those who are not patrons, although I think everyone should be. And that is that when Gazeta <laughs> de los Sport stated that as as news that Inter have to finish the, finish the fiscal year, June 30th, on plus 30 million and not 60, that's nonsense. Because we already knew that. The fiscal year starts on July 1st and ends on June 30th. Last summer, meaning the fiscal year that started June f- July 1st, Inter sold Casa De for 20 million, and they sold Pinamonti for around 30 million as well. Now, the requirement was 60 million net profit. We're there. So if you know your math, 60 minus 30, 35, that brings 30. So... We don't know what the new requirement is after July the 1st. Is it 40? Is it 20? Is it plus minus zero? We don't know that, okay? So these things need to be taken into account. He's not been backed. He's had to deal with putting out fires in terms of the transfer market. It's been horrible. So all of these things together, I think, gives you a collected picture of why things aren't working at Inter. And personally, I think that they need to decide because we cannot continue. Is it is it win now that matters? Then bring in and back back the coach that wins now. Get rid of Inzaghi. But if the requirement is to build long-term and financial sustainability and blah, 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 then back Inzaghi with young players that give you that. Don't get rid of Defray and Skrinyard and bring in Chris Smalling and Acerbi, okay? That's stupid. Don't replace Danilo D'Ambrosio with some other guy in his mid thirties. That's not building long term and sustainable. So and the same thing in attack goes with attack uh, and midfield and so on and so forth. Um and, and I've and I've and I've spoken for like 10 minutes and I've not even mentioned Denzel Dumfries and Joaquin Correa, who together cost around 45 million euros, and they are simply not good enough to play at Inter. So this is where we are. This is the collective. This is where I'm at with all of this as a whole. I think there's lots of blame to go around. Mm -hmm. I personally would rather stick with Inzaghi because I think he's a young coach. I think he delivers results in difficult circumstances. I think there are absolute areas to to improve on. And I think he should be given that chance to improve them. If not, you're going to get rid of him. Okay, you bring in Ivan Juric. Okay, that might work. But there are big question marks. He's never been at a big club. Igor Tudor, same thing there. Young coach, talented, great prospect, but he's never been at a big club. Um, Sergio Conceicao plays a 4-4-2. You have no wingers and you have no money. Like, do you know what I mean? Roberto De Serbi, yes, if you're a Juventus fan, you'd be praying for Inter to get Roberto De Serbi because he might actually get Inter relegated. Oh, my God. No, he will. He doesn't know how to defend. The man thinks defending is optional. So this is, this is the level that we're at. So you have to be realistic about these things and four months at Brighton does not tell me that someone is some sort of a you know you know some sort of a the messiah of football i'm i'm if you're into
1: i, I love football, the absolute hate you have for deserve i don't brilliant. have hate
0: for deserve i have hate for the narrative uh because it's ridiculous i think it's ridiculous that we're we're basically canonizing this guy as the greatest thing since bread came sliced and he's not you know he's he's had six months. Impressive at Brighton as they have been. We also know his deficiencies, and we're ready to give him.
1: Right, oh, defend ad. him well at Brighton. So you're <laughs> mm, basing that no, on? Not really. From no, a year well,
0: ago. no, they're really not because. Well, they, look how
1: many goals they've conceded at yeah, Brighton? Yeah, we'll look
0: at. Well, well, let's just see how. <laughs> let's let's just see at the end of the season and next season if he's still there. How his team's hemorrhage goals because there are giant holes in how they play.
1: Not this season, that, there isn't. Well, <laughs> again, you're well, basing it on what he did at Sassuolo two no, years I'm ago. i basing it
0: also on how he because he's not changed much since he's been at Sassuolo they still play the same way teams will work them out and then it's going to be you know you'll see you'll see you'll see mm, Let,
1: i think you i think you you'll come around on that but anyway no i don't look, think I, I will
0: i'm pretty sure i will not if he unless he learns how to defend that's great if he knows if he can find the balance that sarri has for example done at milan uh, and and has always had some d- defensive solidity whether he was at napoli or where he was then yes great bring him in play that kind of football but i just think at this moment in his career it would be insane it would be absolute mental to bring Roberto De Zerbi after four good months at Brighton and think that he can handle the the madness. Anybody is anybody even Inter.
1: is anybody is there even a report that Inter want De Zerbi? Yeah, I he's
0: mean- been linked to Inter. Yeah, he's been linked to Inter. The Italian media have done. They've linked him to Juric. They've linked. To, they've linked the Inter job to Thiago Motta. They've linked. They've linked him. They've linked the job to everyone. So again, I I think these are your choices and. You know, we'll see what happens. Now, luckily, Beppe Marotta came out and said, basically, pretty much said what you know on Nzagi saying he's a young coach, he's good, he's talented, but you know he needs to improve on certain issues, and we're behind him. I think that's the right decision to go to 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 move forward on. Yeah. Um, well, if I can we'll just see.
1: if I can just come in on Nzagi. First of all, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna defend Deserve because you, you because you criticized him. Um, so before I get to Nzagi, I think Deserve is an absolute genius, and studying him tactically. The patterns of play and the, the tactical stuff he does is is absolute genius. Um, uh, with very few rot in the whole world, come up with some of the the, the tactics and the, the the little movements that he does. Um, I think he's he's set for the very very top. As for Inzaghi, uh, I think that it's true that bl- there's a lot of blame to to go around with everyone. Um, and I think that, uh, but you know, with Inzaghi, definitely you know, after a loss uh, to to Bologna, of course, you're going to have to criticise him. And he, he, I've said it many times, last season, he underperformed. Inter were by an absolute mile, even though you can say, you know, whatever you want to say about him not being backed in the market. Inter were by a mile, the best team in Serie A, had the best squad in Serie A, you know, in a poor Serie A, very poor Serie A last season and should have walked the league, but they didn't. So I think you have to in you have to criticise him for not winning the league last season. This season, I think, is slightly different because I do think Inter are weaker this season. Um, I think some of their players are older. Um, maybe there is that lack of motivation. I know you don't like to call it motivation, but I think that probably is natural with some of these players that have won the Scudetto are getting a bit older. Um, you know, so the, the project, the way that Sunning are not, you know, they don't have plans to build anymore into that, you know, that all does, that does have an impact on everyone, including the players. Um, so I'm a little bit more sympathetic, but at the same time, you lose seven, you, you suffer seven defeats in Serie A by the end of February. Uh, that's too many. That's that's way too it's many. It's almost
0: so, a third of the Serie A games you've played. Yeah, have been losses. That is. I mean, I know they've lost a lot. I
1: mean, I know they've they've won a lot. So I know they have won a lot. You know, but they've lost the same amount. No, but it's as unacceptable. As
0: unacceptable.
1: It's unacceptable. unacceptable. Don't it's get unacceptable.
0: me wrong. I'm not defending it. I'm not defending this inconsistency. If anything, it's creating anger and frustration in me um, yeah. because. Especially some of those games, he completely botched um, the Ro- the Lazio game, the Udinese game. You know that's all on him. The Bologna game, I think, f- was not a tactical issue. But again, it's like I said in the beginning, it's it's his inability to get these guys into the right headspace. It's not a uh, motivation. It's, it's concentration to follow
1: mm-hmm. up. Political. Ultimately, though, I like I like Inzaghi. Um, I do, and I think he should stay. And and I and I always say. You know, one thing that I look at with with players, with managers, how good they are is do they do they develop and improve players? And I think mm-hmm. that Inzaghi does. And yeah. and to talk about Deserbi, Deserbi is one of the best in the world at developing players. So that's another example of why Deserbi is so bloody good. It's that he develops players and makes them makes them much much better than they are and develops them. So Inzaghi also, I think, does that. Um, so I think for that reason, I think I think he's good. Uh, I think he's good for Inter. But yeah, he's, he's a weird one to analyse in Zaggy. He is, because the results this season, it really just doesn't make sense how they go from these fantastic results. Uh, and then, I mean, I think in this particular game, draw, losing to Bologna, they did look tired. It was an awful pitch as well. So I think that didn't help the fact that they were playing on such a heavy water lot I mean, it moves water sometimes the ball wasn't even moving um mm. 5 yards so i think when you're coming off a really st- i mean we know how tough it is playing at porto we spoke about it on the pod last week about they're a bastard of a side you know i called i think i called otavio a bastard of a player well those those in, those in porto players they are shithouses and then some and they really They give you a real, not just physically, but mentally, they drain it out of you. You have to play for 90 minutes against them. And Inter really did have to to use up so much physical and mental energy in that game against Porto. then you'll go then four days later, you're going away to Bologna, who Bologna are right now, will come on to Mota and what a great job he's doing there. They're the second most informed team in Serie A after Napoli. So they're playing a Bologna team that are not only in really good form, have had a whole week to prepare, but also you're playing on a pitch that's virtually semi-waterlogged. I mean, that is, I think, physically very, very draining, and I think that showed in this game. Um, they just they didn't have any. I mean, this was as bad as I've seen into play this season, to be honest. Just it's, in terms of it was in it terms of their mean, overall game being flat, not was, having. Cre- I mean, what did they create in the game? Barely anything. They, cleared, really. they
0: created a couple of chances, but still it was it was without a doubt the worst game under Inz- in the Inzaghi era it's not even close it was even worse than the Genoa game away goalless last season which kind of was one of the reasons they cost the cost them the Serie A title one of those seven points that they threw away which is entirely on Inzaghi is he got it wrong there and he was in his inability to to change that game as well look i um i agree with everything you said i think this is ultimately on him but again, he's a young coach. And if you're going to, you need to, you need to, if you're going to give young coaches a chance. Uh, then you're gonna have to de- accept that this is somehow how. As it long looks as they get they top learn. four,
1: as long as they get top four, obviously. I mean, if they don't get top four, nah, then then he, he has get to top go. Four, he has to go. Everyone yeah. has to go because yeah, it's, that's uh, what I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not. You know, that would be a disaster. It's the same discussion that we had about Milan a couple of weeks ago. If if you don't make top four, yeah, then it's... I mean they
1: do. I mean I think they'll be fine for top four. Don't <clears throat> I think they'll be absolutely fine. But they do. But they are there is going to be a little bit of a battle for top four. They're not going yeah, to be able to just, they're not going to be able to just cruise to the top four, especially if, I mean, if Juventus get their points back, I mean, they'll probably get deducted points for the, for the wages thing, but let's just say that gets delayed yeah. or, or something. You don't know what might happen. You don't, no one knows how the bloody Italian courts work. They're such a mess, but you know, so if Juventus were to get those points yeah. back, then all of a sudden it is a fight. It's a fight for all of the top top yeah. four, you know, including Inter. So, I mean, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be absolutely fine. But as it stands, they could be in a, in a, in a fight for a top They four. really could. Um, they really so, could. you know, uh, the other thing I want, two other things I wanted to say. First of all, you did touch upon one of these, Lukaku, we asked after the goal against Porto, would it unlock him? Um, he was terrible in this game, wasn't he? He was, he was really, bad. I and mean, it's, 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 it is frustrating because I mean, I think you did say, to be fair, you said that you thought, you know, he's, he's never going to be the same Lukaku uh, anymore. Uh, I think we all everybody agrees there. But, you know, you did kind of also say, I mean, he'll probably score a few goals. And I'm sure he will. But it is frustrating, isn't it? You'd think four days after scoring such a big goal that he would be so on it the next game, wouldn't you? That he really, he was as bad as we've seen him in this game. And that that is frustrating, isn't it? Because you think if there is mm. one game that, you know, and he was only a sub the other days, so it wasn't like he should have been tired. Um, no. Do you know what I mean? So that is frustrating. The other thing is, I think Onana... Um, needs to take a bit of criticism. And again, I'm a huge fan of him. I know. Um, and I, I think if the Handanovic had let in that goal straight at him, um, everybody would have been going absolutely ballistic at Handanovic for letting a goal that was straight at him. And he basically dived out of the way of it. Um, it was a good strike. It was a good, clean strike from Orsolini, but he was straight at the keeper and he dived out of the way. You know, he dived out of the way of it. I don't know if he took a gamble or I don't know, maybe he was trying to anticipate where Orsilini was volley, but it was straight at him and he dived out of the way of it. Now, if Handanovic did that, I could just know what Inter 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 fans. Well, would there's a saying.
0: reason for that, Carlo, the, because Handanovic has been doing stuff like that time, like year in and year out now for 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 the better part of half a decade. For sure, for sure. So but I want there's, people. There's, uh, people
1: but, but I want a criticism to be applied to Onana. For, well, for, for there will be,
0: there will be more patience with Onana because Onana yeah. also does something that Handanovic is no longer capable of doing, and he showed that against Porto. He was the man of the match um this was a game where he he and the entire team struggled so i understand if there's more patience with him but yes i do agree that i think he read the situation wrong and he sometimes does that because that's the thing he gambles
1: yeah. no, all i'm and saying is i think it, it i it could have been acknowledged that he was at fault for the goal that's oh, all that's all i, that's think, all I'm, I think that's well, all i think if I'm we're saying, gonna blame yeah.
0: someone for the goal you have to blame danilo d'ambrosio
1: for where was the gap what happened there why was there such a massive well they were in transition they
0: were in transition up the pitch, and Ambrosio squares it right to Ghuuten. Look at the situation. Nine players, eight play interplayers are moving upwards, away, and he's supposed to play the long ball. Instead, he mishits it, passes it straight to Ghuuten, who immediately whom one touch plays it to Orsolini. And you know, so both Acerbi and Bastoni are, are out of position because they're moving upwards. You, you don't lose ball in transition like that. Is 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 a golden rule in football, and you certainly do not square the ball straight to your opponent in that position which inter did throughout this game and it wasn't this one time okay this time it was d'ambrosio uh the fact that inter have to call on d'ambrosio is, is because denzel dumfries was so poor that i think that if i turned up now drunk i would have done a better job as a wingback for inter it's embarrassing Genuinely embarrassing. Uh, yeah. You know, we talk about technique. You know, you people have, to, you have, have this, to picture it as well. <laughs> no, you you have to. No, seriously, it's embarrassing. We're talking about a player. I'm not asking him to turn into, you know, uh, some sort of dribbling, you know, genius or tech The most, P- the P- greatest Cafu, technical player, as as yeah. would say. Yeah, or, or Mike on or something like that. And That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about. Can you at least get the line right in positioning? Can you at least know when to push up and when to fall back? Can you at least help your teammates out and move correctly? Like this is the level we're talking. We're talking junior school now. This is the level that we're, we're at now with this guy. And it's 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 just
1: mm. okay. absolutely. Well, let's, let's let's move on to to Thiago Motta then. We have to praise what an amazing job he's he's doing at Bologna because I think there was some doubts. I remember when he was at PSG yeah. uh, with the youth team, wasn't it? And there there, yeah. there was some story that came out of him which was completely fake news, um, where they were saying that he he was revolutionising football and he was playing like. It was some mad
0: formation. No, like, it was 3-6-0, 3-6-1 or something or sort of 4 6 0 some shit like that. But he I mean that that wasn't just a PSG. That was when he was a Genoa too, wasn't it? It
1: was it was it was an even more bizarre formation than that. It was it was it was it was a really bizarre like 3-1-6 or, or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was a bizarre formation anyway. So like big things were expected of him since then. He was he was tipped to become a a really great coach uh, back then. And then, uh, where was he at first? Uh, he was at Genoa, then he was at Spezia.
0: Yeah, he did he good at Spezia.
1: Did, yeah, good, did okay. I wouldn't say amazing, but, you know, he did okay. No- nothing like that you would say, oh, he's going to be set for, for greatness. But he's, at Bologna, he's done absolutely fantastic. Because when he took over Bologna in the, in the middle of September, from, uh, from the late um, Sinisa Mihailovic, they were third from bottom they're now in a European place. They're now in Europe. They're, they're going to qualify for Europe where they are at the moment, in seventh position. I mean, it's absolutely incredible job. 32 points in his 19 games. And as I said before, only Napoli are in better form in Serie A. They've won four of their last five. But it's not just that. Like, if you watch them, they, they play really good football. Like, they have some really interesting... You can see what they've been working on on the training ground, like with their patterns of play, their kind of expansive football, the movement off the ball... Um, you know, very, very impressive. I was very impressed with them. I mean, the first twenty minutes of this game, they completely dist- they were all over Inter in the first twenty minutes. They had their goal disallowed. Uh, they created another. They created another chance. And again, like I said before, one of the one of the things I always look at with a, with a manager to see how they're good is how they develop players. And it's probably a little bit too early to say that at Bologna, but you know, the, there are some players here that bigger clubs are starting to look at, um, which you. Wouldn't really have said in previous seasons at Bologna, really not, not with the exception of the odd player here and there. I mean, Arnautovic, but you know, he's old um, hickey. There's not really been that many, but now you look at the Bologna team and you look at them. I mean, Orsolini. I mean, we I know we like to laugh about him, but he's in fantastic form. Four goals in his last five games. Uh, I thought he was really good, really, really good. I mean, he even got away like that from Bastoni a couple of times in, in this match, which is not not easy. Uh, Lewis Ferguson, the Scotsman, he's 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 uh, getting interested with in some big clubs. Cambiasso, I've always, I've always liked, uh, and he's, he was really, really good. in this I game. really like Cambiasso.
0: That was a yeah. player that Inter should have gone after because he can play both on the right and the left. And it was again, to, not to belabor the point, but they can't even spend that little amount of money to sign someone.
1: Yeah, but he's a really unorthodox un- un- uh, fullback. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he plays on the right, I find it fascinating watching him on the right because he kind of comes, he plays like an inverted winger, but as a fullback, which is really bizarre. You don't see it. Don't I think I've ever seen a fullback play like that? That kind of uh, maybe Cancelo sometimes kind of like cuts in from right back onto his left foot and then comes inside. It's like really weird watching him play. But he played left back in this game and and he was really really good. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm I'm happy he's at Bologna and developing rather than, than under Allegri. But it's Posh as well down the right has been getting looked at, at, at by some by some big clubs. And so you have to give the credit for Motta that the work he's doing with these these young players and these younger players. Yeah. Um, You know, and like you said before, he's been linked with Inter. He's also been linked with, obviously, PSG, two of his former clubs as a player. I mean, yeah, I I don't know. It's too early to say, you know, because you get sometimes get spells where managers will do a good job for, you know, go for a good spell for a couple of months and then things just drift away. So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but all I can do is talk about what he's done at Bologna. And this was a Bologna team that they have looked, they've been one of the more boring teams and flat teams in recent years, haven't they? Um, Again, without wanting to to say anything bad about Mihailović, obviously. Um, But they haven't been a team that have really been enjoyable that you thought are going places, have they, in in recent years? They've just been kind of a middle of the road. They're going to come 12th or 13th. They're going to do enough to stay up. They're not really going to do anything against the big clubs. You know, that's been what they are. But suddenly under Motta, they're now playing good football. They're developing some good players and they're getting some great results like this. I mean... What do, you, what do you think of Motta?
0: I like what I've seen I mean the, the, what we saw at uh, Genoa when that you know crazy formation came out uh, I was thinking oh God here we go again with some some nonsense uh, and, and and it was dreadful his Genoa side but then he came to Spezia and I really enjoyed what he do and did there and he's, he, he it's not an easy place to come to and, and to replace italiano as well who'd done a fantastic job um, I think he did all right. Uh, with them. I think he overperformed with them. And then since taking over Bologna, you know, it's been like a step-by-step upward um, trajectory by him. And he seems to be able to, like you said, I think it's not just developing players, but also can he work with experienced players and can he work with young players and create an environment for everyone to thrive? And I think the answer so far at Bologna has been, yes, he can. Um, um, So yeah, I, I like, I like, I like what he did against inter i thought they were very very good but given that inter didn't even turn up for the game i think it's difficult to kind of evaluate it but i'm not taking anything away from him i just think it's it's i'd like to see him against you know i don't know if they i can't off the top of my head remember if they got napoli left but it would be interesting to see how he handles a team like napoli Mm. um and, and 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 other big teams before before we say too much but yes they were very on it today you know the, the the game that game they were for 90 minutes even in the difficult periods of the game when they suffered when inter started you know retaining possession in down, in their half they still remained focused they still remained compact they still remained a unit and i think that is the most important thing uh when you look at um in, in a game uh, and, and uh, from a coaching point of view from a tactical point of view no they did well it's going to be a career to it's going to be an interesting career to follow for sure he's having a more a b- better career so far than than his uh, former Inter Treble winner teammate Dejan Stankovic, who's absolutely stinking up the place at Sampdoria, yeah. with a very bad team, I should add.
1: Yes, yes, we'll come. We'll come to Sampdoria, right? Let's just let's just talk about Napoli. Um Right, well, I did have two segments here. I wanted to do a segment on how do you stop Napoli, but I'm going to hold that because um, we're already talking too much as usual. And so we'll save that. <laughs> we'll save that for Thursday. Um, And we'll talk about that on Thursday. But what I do want to talk about on Napoli, they they won again, 2-0 against Empoli. 18 points clear now. So they are absolutely, as I said, cruising to the Scudetto. They could win it by Easter uh, at this rate. Um, Let's talk about Ossiman and his, well, record-breaking soon run of scoring. Eight games in a row now that he's scored in in Serie A, which is three behind the all-time Serie A record by Gabriel Batistuta, who scored... 11 straight in the 1994-95 season. We, we could say that he scored in 13, well, he did score in 13 straight Serie A games if we include the two that he scored at the end of the 92-93 season before Fiorentina got relegated. And then when they came up, he then scored straight away in 11 straight games in 94-95. But in one season, the record is 11. Uh, and uh, that was then matched by Fabio Quagliarella in 2018-2019. Although I know there has been a bit of discrepancy in, certainly Patastuta's uh, argued against that, hasn't he? Um yeah. about about Quagliarella have he scored eleven and then Ronaldo scored eleven straight as well the season after that for for Juventus. So Osiman is yeah, he, he he's he's on track to 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 equal and break that record which is just unbelievable. Um, but what makes it even more remarkable is that Osiman's done this without scoring a, a penalty, without scoring a single penalty. Um and the only players in, in Serie A history who have have scored more in a row without scoring penalties are Trezeguet who scored 9 for Juventus in 2005-06 season and Pascuti for uh, Bologna in 62-63 which I think they won this I think they won the Scudetto that season if I'm not mistaken. So um yeah, he's on uh, and that's another record that he's on and uh, he now has 19 in Serie A this season. Again, none of them penalties. Could he even I think you raised the so it could he even reach Higuaín's record of 36 uh, in a season I would say it's unlikely but wouldn't rule it out. I mean, what do you think? Is he going to break the record, do you think?
0: Well, one record he's going to break is Samuel Letour's record for an African player for the most amount of players, uh, most amount of goals an African player scored in one season in the Serie A, which is held by uh, Samuel Letour at 21 uh, from mm. 2010 2011. He's one goal away from equaling compatriot Simi's goals, goal, goal tally for Crotone at 20. Uh, we, for 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 so he'll, he'll pretty soon be the second most prolific mm. African. So he's gonna player,
1: smash I'm that. Sure. He's gonna smash that. Etto yeah, record. he's gonna yeah. smash
0: those records. Uh, but both of those players took penalties. Um, he did not. He does not. He's not taken a single one this season, if I'm not mistaken, Gosh. in the Serie A. Right.
1: I think he scored one penalty in his in 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 all in competitions. Ch- wasn't it in the, the Champions League. I think it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I don't think it was,
0: I think he missed that one as well. Or did he score? He missed, he missed one against remember. Liverpool. He missed one yeah. against
1: Liverpool. I think he might have taken another one uh, later on in the group stage. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, uh, no. I just, I just double check that. But anyway, in Serie A, in in Serie A, I mean, yeah, no penalties in Serie A. Yeah.
0: He's not scored a single one in the penalties. penalties. And, and I'm looking now. No, I can't find him on the list. I'm looking now for in terms of penalty takers. Victor Ossiman. So that is that is remarkable. Um, I think 36 might be a little bit too steep. but um, Especially if look, Napoli
1: go deeper in the Champions League. They will yeah. surely rest players if they already yeah. won the Scudetto, won't they? Yeah,
0: and he's going to be Capo Canoniera anyway. So, you know, it's, it's unnecessary to risk. But next up are quite tough games if he's going to beat it. Look, next game this weekend, Napoli-Lazio, then Napoli-Atalanta, then it's Eintracht-Frankfurt, then it's Torino, and then after the international break, it's it's Milan. Milan yeah. So it's going to be difficult. I think we might struggle to do that. But again, I wouldn't put it past him. I really wouldn't because he is that good. Um, and he's probably and- going to
1: demand to play as well because he wants to break the record, isn't he? Mm,
0: probably. I mean, why shouldn't he? They don't. I mean, the Eintracht game is all over anyway, so mm. you know you could actually play Cholito in that game. But the Lazio and Atalanta games, it's home games, the a Serie. A, you know, they need to wrap that up. So I'm, I'm sh- no doubt in my mind he will stop both of those games. And yes, he could score. It's not impossible. It's not in, you know, it's not unthinkable. And then he's up on ten, and he could equal it away against Torino, which we know are a difficult side, and then he could beat it at Napoli uh, against the Milan at the Maradona. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be quite the test for him to do that. But it's not impossible, no.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's an incredible achievement. I mean, it's probably not as great as an achievement as what battistuta did because battistuta yeah. did it in the prime of Serie A. You know, those we're, we're
0: against those defenders.
1: Against those <laughs> defenders, you know. And, uh, I haven't looked up to see who the teams he scored against on that run, but, you know, we're talking about the, the best... League in the world, the greatest league there's ever been in you know, ever, <laughs> mm. you know, in any era, and you know he did it then for a Fiorentina team who had just got promoted, repromoted I mean, it still, you know, still had lots of quality. You know, Rui Costa, Toldo. You know, it was still, still lots of quality, but you know they were playing against world class teams, world class defenders every single week, and it wasn't a team that wasn't anywhere close to being the best in the league, so. You know, for Batistuta to do that, that is amazing. Obviously, Osiman's playing for the best team in the league by a long way this season. Um, so, it does make it easier. But the fact that he hasn't scored any penalties. But again, it just comes back to what we said about Ossiman, just just how complete he is. Uh, and, and Batistuta, actually, it's funny, because Batistuta is actually similar. Like, Batistuta was a good player had no weakness, was the complete striker as well, wasn't he, Batistuta? Again, what weaknesses did Batistuta have? He could do everything. He could play. He he was physically absolutely a monster. He could hold the ball up. He was great making runs in behind. He was a great finisher, had an incredible shot, both feet, uh, head brilliant in the air. You you know, he he could do everything. Uh, And Ossie is is exactly, exactly the same. I mean, in this game against Empoli, he scored... The kind of a Pippo Inzaghi poacher's goal, you know, being so quick and so reading the game and making the the movement to to, to get to the ball first, you know, that the the best goal poachers would would, would, would would score, you know. So again, he can score every single type of goal. Uh, again, the only criticism I could make is actually in the last two games, he started to he started to miss a, a few big big chances, which which I thought during this run, earlier on in this run, he was starting to like become more clinical and in the last two games he missed two huge chances against Frankfurt and then again in this game he also missed a a one-on-one in in this match so you know if if we're going to be critical of him let's say you know don't don't go back to 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 missing these kind of chances just but sometimes he can still snatch at his chances and sometimes but yeah he
0: needs still a still a little bit of composure in Mm -hmm. and calm in, in in those chance in, in in decisive you know goal scoring chances uh, mo- moments, and I think he can even improve his how prolific he becomes.
1: Yeah, he plays with such ferocity that sometimes he just yeah he just yeah. wants to he just wants to yeah he just wants to shoot as as, as fast as he can without you know being a little bit calm. Um, okay, right, yeah, like I said, Thursday we'll we'll, we'll do a segment on how. Do you stop Napoli? Um, if anyone's got any ideas, um, <laughs> then send in some suggestions because I'm not quite sure how we can answer this. To be honest, I've got a few ideas, but it's more about. I think a lot of it's going to come down to Napoli. Um, their levels going down because they're playing at such an incredible high level yeah, at the moment, which should be it should be unsustainable. But we've said that all season, and it's not. They're not stopping. Um, Okay, um, just before we get on to. You know what? Sampdoria. Let's leave that as well. I wanted to talk about Sampdoria, but we'll we'll talk about that on Thursday as well, um, because we really are going over today. Um, The rest of the Serie A calendar this weekend. So we had Lecce losing at home to Sassuolo. A little bit of a surprise, given Lecce's recent run. Salernitana, huge, huge win in their fight against relegation, beating Monza 3 0. Paulo Souza, his first win in, in charge. And Udinese 2, Spezia 2. Exciting game there. Uh, Semplici's first game in charge, wasn't it? For, for Spezia. So that's a, a big point for them in the in the fight against uh, relegation. Um, we still have four games to go. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. So we've got Verona, Fiorentina and Lazio, Sampdoria on Monday evening. And then we have Clemonesia, Roma and Juventus Torino on Tuesday. We will... The derby. Re- yeah, the Turin derby. We'll review that, though, both all of those games on... Um, Thursday in Thursday's show. Um, okay, um, Europa uh, Europa League and Conference League review. Um, Nima, uh, oh no, there it is. Okay, um, so yes, um, all four Italian teams go through in the Europa League so and Conference good. League, which so is good. it's fantastic because we, we, we said in Thursday's show, you know how great it was that the Italian teams in the Champions League all won their first first uh, matches, first leg matches in the last sixteen. How great that was. And we said, right, you know, can Juventus and Roma and, and obviously uh, Lazio and, and Fiorentina, can they, can they, you know, can they do the job themselves? Uh, we, were, we were quite confident on Juventus, Lazio and, and Fiorentina. We weren't so confident on Roma, but they've both done it. Uh, Juventus 3-0 against Nantes. Di Maria, absolutely sensational. Uh, the first goal, uh, one of the goals of the season. Absolute worldy. Um, he's been fantastic. Since, since the World Cup. Um, Juventus are now becoming Di Maria and Inshallah, as you used to say for a <laughs> Leo
0: and Inshallah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> or, as we
0: ha- or, or, or as we had in uh, Inter, crosses and Inshallah with Candreavani <laughs> Cardi.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's uh, Juventus now, Di Maria and Inshallah. Di Maria yeah. and Inshallah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Fidelio and Inshallah, yeah. yeah.
1: Roma, <laughs> though. Roma, we have to give praise to Roma. That's yeah. fantastic. fantastic. That was so
0: good. So good.
1: Yeah, Belotti scored. Yeah,
0: good. No, you you're so hard on him. I mean, it's, it's, it's he had a difficult injury and he's he's not played because Tammy Abram is obviously better. You know, the starting striker there. So no, he's I I, I think he I think you know Belotti is is I think he has a he has a role to play at Roma. I really do. And yeah. I think you know it's going to be. A, a yeah, chance. it was
1: lovely to see him. Dybala as well, fantastic oh. goal. But there's one player that we have to we have to say. Mm. I said it. I said it last week. I said Spinazzola during Roma's previous league game. Who I'm forgetting who it was against now. He got the assist. Remember? He got that wonderful backheel assist. Yeah, yeah. Um, who was it against? I can't, I can't remember. It was Solbakken, wasn't it? Solbakken scored the winner, yeah. and he did that beautiful. And I said Spinazzola in this game. Just started to show a few sparks of the old spin at Solar. Um, you could just see it. There were just those little, little, not consistently, but just those little moments. That you thought that is the spin at Solar that was just so unstoppable. The year that Italy won the Euros, and he was brilliant in this game against Salzburg. Absolutely brilliant. It was like it was, it was actually like watching the old spin at Sola. Like he was, he was getting the ball and he was knocking it past his man and just blitzing them for pace. But he was cutting inside. He was putting in crosses. He was twisting and turning, feints. And he got two assists in this game. He was absolutely magical to, 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 to watch. And, and now I'm kind of like thinking, well, c- can the old Spinozola come back? I mean, if he can play like this and he can show those kind of levels, I mean, can he? I mean, I mean, it would be absolutely wonderful. I don't want to get carried away over one game. But it was, it was really, really encouraging to see Spinozola do that. I and mean, I mean, he's 30. I think he's turning 30 soon. So, I mean... Yeah, great. Really, really great to see. Uh, Really beautiful to see after having such a horrible time of things over the last 18 months. So, yeah, well done, Roma. Well done, Solar, And then Lazio and Fiorentina through um, as well. And then the draw, I'll just read out the draw. So Juventus versus Freiburg. Roma versus Rio Sociedad in the the Europa League last 16. Um, Tough tough for Roma. Very tough for Roma. I
0: I think... think they they they're decent draws it's not a nightmare draw or anything like that um i think roma can go through I think it's it's evenly balanced 50 50 mean, yeah yeah 50 50 I'd say like that
1: yeah
0: um and Juventus I favor- think it could have been
1: kinder I think it could have been yeah. kinder for Roma because I mean I think obviously Arsenal you want to miss Arsenal I think Man United they couldn't draw anyway um so you want to miss Arsenal and then I think really after that you're looking at Sociedad or Betis really and mm-hmm. they played Betis in the group and actually look quite good against them uh, yeah. in the group so Real Sociedad I think is tough they got their third in in La Liga they've got some you know David Silva or Lazubi Mendy, Mendes. they these are good really good players so you know i think that, i think it's 50-50 uh, i think,
0: I think 50 so 50-50. as well
1: i mean juventus freiburg, freiburg juventus freiburg not they you know they 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 they're right up there fighting for the top 4 aren't they i think freiburg yeah, so they they're, they're, that's not easy but you know i think you yeah juventus i think you know you, you favor juventus uh, you do that, that even net. though
0: freiburg haven't self proclaimed Interista, grifo uh, who who's He's got
1: thirteen uh, goals this season? Yeah,
0: so they it's need to watch scorer, out with him. Yeah. They need to watch out with him. But but I expect I expect Juve to go through. I think Roma fifty fifty. Um, as for you know the Conference League,
1: yeah, Fiorentina Fiorentina should have no problems yeah. at all. They're playing Siva Sport who are twelfth in the Turkish League, having a really da- bad season and looking at their squad, yeah, they they Fiorentina should be fine. I think Fiorentina the football they play is also quite. Conducive to European football, so I think they should be okay. Lazio, on paper, maybe looks okay, but I think it's it's it's, a, it's a, going to be tricky. Uh, they're third in the. They need to
0: pay attention. They yeah, need they're to third. pay attention.
1: They're third in the they're above the PSV. Yeah. in the, the division. they're not too far. No, off. The, you,
0: Lazio have to be switched on and not be like we've seen them. Sometimes they can be a little bit not not really there. They can't do that because they'll they'll be punished. But I do expect look. 60-40 in favor of Lazio uh, and Fiorentina. They've got a former.
1: 20. They've got another former Inter player as well. Jens, <coughs> Od, Jens Odgaard. Do you remember him? Jens
0: Odgaard. Yeah. Yeah. Who went to the? Uh, he was. I think he was involved in that deal that saw Bastoni. Or did he go to Sassolo, Not Atalanta. I can't remember. I'm not but sure. He, yeah. He's he's a former Inter Primavera player that I know they cashed in on. Yeah. When every summer, when Auxilio used to sell a container of kids to make uh, on
1: June the thirtieth, was it? Yeah, all, all of those deals. it's, always June, the 30th, it's always June Yeah, the they, they, they always
0: always <laughs> slash those. You know, always put those papers. They
1: review Juve, well. I think everybody knows yeah. about Juve. Well, Uwe, they yeah. do it. It on June the 30th. It always some dodgy swap deal on June the 30th. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. It was it was always no because that's when the fiscal year ends, and yeah. because of the fact that Inter were in the settlement agreement with UEFA uh, and 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 were under restrictions, they had to make you know they had to show plus Valenza, they had to show capital gains, and so every summer. You know that Arcelia used to sell basically a container of young players. Like literally a container <laughs> of players shipped away on June thirtieth. Um, one of which was Zaniolo in, in the Nyangolan deal.
1: That's right. Uh, and Zaniolo so, actually scored in his debut. Yeah, it was a friendly, yeah. but he
0: scored. Yeah. 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 I do I hope he can get his career back on track. I mean, even if it won't be as good as it once was, you know, you do want
1: Of course. Of course you do. You do want him to do well. Of course you do. Okay, right. Let's finish off with Baggio and Premface of the week. Right, let's start off <coughs> with um, Baggio. Have you got a Baggio?
0: Um No. Look, it's uh, it, it, it was uh, it was a it was not not a very good Osteeman. week. Sorry, Costieman. Yeah, I mean that that feat, but uh, it wasn't exactly the most beautiful goal uh, we've ever seen, but. Um, Look, if if it, I, I can't call it a bad joke because bad was an attacker, but I think Milan's defensive display, if I could use that against Atalanta, was was my bad joke of the week. That's what I really.
1: Di Maria's course. goal against Nantes, as well, I have got to do that. Was, yeah, that's got to be the bad joke. That's got to yeah, be the Di Maria against Nantes. I mean, that was just just magical. Okay, Prem face. Um, we're, we're, without wanting to repeat what we did, see on Thursday's show. I mean, those those who are not patrons, we actually already we already did this because there was. We called it a Prem-Facery pandemic last last week during prem-demic. the premdemic, yes, <laughs> during the <laughs> during the midweek uh, Champions League and European games. Uh, some of the stuff was just was just ridiculous. So, I guess we, we're going to repeat ourselves here. Um, so we, we, we've got a few. We, we had B, BT were the worst, were the worst culprits of all. Just
0: no, I think Jamie Carragher's butt hurtedness. On Real Madrid being lucky to win the Champions League is like it's like one of those all-time goats Hall of Shame Prem faces. Yeah. that was last week.
1: But but B two B- B- Glenn Hoddle and Aluko basically oh, God, say, that so... saying that Osman is unproven because he hasn't played in the Serie A. And you know how you know <laughs> uh, unless you score in the Premier League, you're basically unproven. I mean, mm. yeah, it's just the same old. The same old and Mark Gold, Mark Goldbridge, yeah, your best friend, who says something stupid
0: uh, on on every 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 day of the week that ends in a Y. Um, <laughs> he said he said something about uh, about how Elliot were dreadful for Milan, which is like so far away from the truth and the facts that it's almost impressive even by his non-existing standards Mm. but um that wasn't
1: wasn't the mark goldbridge one i had written down here the one i had written down was was when he when he said 10 minutes into into 14 minutes into real Madrid against liverpool (laughs) (laughs) the premier league is miles ahead of la liga's best (laughs)
0: Mm. oh man god bless thought you know god bless God yeah. bless. Um, yeah, and and that ended really well for Liverpool, didn't it? Um, and for Jamie no. Carragher, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's when Jamie Carragher. And that it was before before the game when he said that Real Madrid were lucky. Uh, hmm. To it's just.
1: But someone yeah. sent me a video um, uh, at, the, at the weekend, um, which I forwarded straight onto you of Jamie Carragher. People forget about this because people always talk about Jamie Carragher when he spat at that child. But, but, which he did. I which, want to
0: go again. Yeah, he, he spat did. at a child. Just yes. wanted to say
1: that. But people forget that actually, um, and I'm old enough to remember this. That about 20 years ago, during a Liverpool versus Arsenal game at Highbury, uh, Jamie Car- someone, someone in the crowd for a coin, an Arsenal supporter for a coin at Jamie Carragher, and he picked it up and he threw it back at, he lobbed it as hard as he could back at the fan in the crowd. And uh, someone sent me a video of that over yeah. the weekend. It was pretty funny. Gone to YouTube, Carragher. Throwing coin, uh, Arsenal versus Liverpool it was an FA Cup tie. I think it was like two thousand and two. I think it was. Uh, it might be two thousand and three, and it was oh so funny. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Carragher, Carragher Hall of Shame continues.
0: Mm. No, I mean, but but Henry Henry' rep- response to him was so good. He just looked at him like he was dealing with a insolent, petulant child, and and just you know just told the truth and then moved on quickly <laughs> with French arrogance. It was really, really entertaining. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Right. Okay. Uh, that's all we have time for today. We'll be back Tuesday for Q and a episode Wednesday for our interview with Joe Takapina Thursday for, uh, our midweek review show. So lots, lots and lots this, yeah. this week. And-
0: and just to say, like the Q&A, the Q&A pod, as always, and the Thursday pod are for patrons only. Uh, and if you want to become a patron, you go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become one for two ninety nine a month. And, but the Tacopina interview and the Monday shows, uh, the, all the interviews will, will be put, will, will be put, uh, free for all. It'll be out on Spotify, iTunes and Google podcast and all that, all that, all, all those places. So please do make sure to, uh, hit a subscribe and, and give us the five star rating. Uh, it really helps us. Uh, on, on to spread the gospel of Italian football that we love so much and drives us crazy. <laughs>
1: it sure does. Okay, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great week. We will see you on Tuesday. Ciao, ciao.